Aaron. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It's Jesus versus Jezebel, the sexual seduction of America. So I welcome you to America's sexual orgy here today on Viewpoint. A newcomer to Congress, North Carolina Representative Madison Cawthorn, is charging that Washington, D.C. actually is much worse than the swamp that our previous president remarked, as he calls it a sexually perverse pit of vipers. Cawthorn, congressman, 29 years of age, said America's capital city is an orgy-filled, cocaine-flooded pit. All of a sudden, he says, you get invited. We're going to have a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come, says a congressman. And then you realize, they're asking you to come to an orgy. And then he said, there are the drugs. Well, that's just one short anecdote. Gender queer books are now being targeted towards children and are being found on school bookshelves with U.S. school district committees allowing the comics to remain in school libraries. Despite the mature concepts it contains, the book Gender Queer by 32-year-old California-based author Maya Kababi has been distributed on the shelves of Ohio's Hudson High School Library. On March 11th, a Texas judge temporarily blocked a state agency from investigating parents who helped their children obtain hormonal and surgical transgender interventions. The same day, State Attorney General Ken Paxton appealed the ruling and said the investigations would proceed. So the fight, he said, will continue to the Supreme Court. It's a fight about sex and transgenderism. The state has been the hotspot in gender wars since Governor Greg Abbott issued an unprecedented directive on February 22nd classifying so-called sex change procedures, including puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and invasive surgeries as child abuse. Abbott's directive instructs the State Department of Family and Protective Services to conduct a prompt and thorough investigation of any reported instances of these abusive procedures, and that includes parents of a child who is subject or subjected to these abusive gender transitioning procedures and licensed facilities that provide them. Then it's Disney. It's not the Mickey Mouse Club anymore. They're Mickey Mousing around with sex. And here it is, Disney's secret gay agenda. In a virtual meeting of Disney executives in response to Florida's controversial parent rights bill, an executive producer for the entertainment giant Disney disclosed that her team has implemented her not-at-all-secret gay agenda. Those are her words, not-at-all-secret gay agenda. Latoya Raveno said she and her colleagues are regularly, quote, adding queerness, unquote, to children's programming. Disney corporate representative or president, actually, Disney corporate president Kathy Burke said that, quote, 
as the mother of one transgender child and one pansexual child, she supports having many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories. She said she wants a minimum of 50% of characters to be LGBTQIA and racial minorities. Then she said, no one would stop me and no one is even trying to stop me. Well, then we have the Disney, Disney workers dismayed. Throughout the United States, they threatened to walk out in March, claiming their CEO, Bob Chapek, did not respond quickly enough against a recent Florida bill that bans sexual orientation instruction for children, kindergarten children, up to third grade. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just signed the bill and criticized Disney's president or CEO for bending to cancel culture by pulling politically contra- political contributions from the state. And then, as if that were not enough, eight female employees of Christianity Today have alleged that former editor, editor-in-chief touched them inappropriately, excuse me, inappropriately, or made inappropriate comments to them, according to a story published this month by Christianity Today. The report said that former advertising director also had been accused of sexual harassment, and the record spanning more than a decade from human resources led to his arrest in 2017, where he was sentenced to three years in prison for traveling to have sex with a minor. Now, these are just anecdotal references that help us to understand the breadth of what we're going to talk about here today on Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. Our viewpoint concerning the issue of sex uh, does determine destiny. It could determine your eternal destiny. So here are a series of questions. If we're going to talk about escaping Jezebel's clutch, deliverance from sexual sin, here's the first question. Isn't all sin sin? So why focus on sexual sin? Next, what is sexual sin? And why is sexual sin so prevalent? Why am I so easily tempted? What are the consequences of sexual sin? Can sexual sin keep me out of heaven? How does sexual sin affect the church? Will God forgive me? How should pastors respond to sexual sin? And how can I be delivered from sexual sin? Those are good questions, aren't they? They really are. And they probe to the very heart of the issue. And the heart of the matter is always the heart. I have in front of me the cover story of U.S. News and World Report on May 19, 1997. This was two years after we launched this program on May 7, 1995. The cover story is titled, The Trouble with Premarital Sex. The byline reads, Americans don't think it's much of a problem, but maybe they should. Now, remember, this is a news magazine. 
This is when news magazines were still news magazines. U.S. News and World Report now is no longer a print magazine, but it's a digital online magazine. And the headline, The Trouble with Premarital Sex. It's a fascinating story. Teen pregnancy, said Bill Clinton. You remember Monica? I didn't have sex with that woman. Well, teen pregnancy, Bill Clinton said, is the nation's most serious social problem. Really? Well, what was he doing to fix the problem? No, his behavior was to encourage the problem. And if you want to find out what is really happening, you need to stay tuned, friends, because Jezebel has seduced America and the church. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. We were just talking about the cover story of U.S. News and World Report, May 19th, 1997. Now, if we were to advance 20 years, we would find this headline. Sex Ed Lies. Sex is hot. Abstinence is not. You have a right to be sexual. It's the siren song of groups like Sikas, Gilsen, and advocates for youth to lure America's adolescents. Planned Parenthood tells teen girls on Facebook that sex is hot, abstinence is not. Even universities are promoting sexual pleasure for children ages 4 to 7. Yet, the Centers for Disease Control has revealed that sexually transmitted diseases are exploding among a nation's youth. But it's not just the youth, friends. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And then this headline, again, 20 years after the headline from U.S. News & World Report. Half of U.S. Christians say casual sex between consenting adults is sometimes or always acceptable. Do I need to repeat that? Half of U.S. Christians say casual sex between consenting adults is sometimes or always acceptable. Even if they're not in a committed romantic relationship. 62% of Catholics take this view. 56% of Protestants in the historically black tradition take this view. 54% of mainline Protestants and 36% of evangelical Protestants. And among those who are religiously unaffiliated, 
84% say casual sex is sometimes or always acceptable. Do we need to go beyond that to understand the dimensions, the depth of this matter? It has invaded the very heart of America and the church. So let's talk about the spirit of prophecy as it relates to this subject. We'll talk about the Jezebel connection for a moment. The revelation of Jesus Christ, that is, the book of Revelation, describes the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy. In that book of Revelation, there are seven described churches that reveal aspects of how Satan, the god of this world, wages war against believers using the power of the culture to conform professing Christians to his diabolical will. Some fall away, losing their first love. Others, while not outright denying the faith, are caught up in compromise, pursuing prosperity, fornicating with the ways of the world. Others have become virtually dead, and many are so lukewarm that God says he'll vomit them up. And five times Jesus warns them to repent. Because God's blessing and purposes and promises are given only to those who overcome. Ultimately so that, as he said, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Now, to the church in Thyatira was written these words. I know your works and charity and service and faith. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you suffer or allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication. So what is fornication? It's sex outside of marriage. All sex outside of marriage. All sex outside of marriage. Either by behavior or attitude. So, as a nation that desires to continue to claim being under God, we here in America, I guess, must listen pretty carefully to Jesus' warning, a warning particularly to those who profess to be his followers. So what was Jesus' warning to the church at Thyatira concerning Jezebel's seduction? Listen carefully. I mean, really carefully. I gave her, that is Jezebel, space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. Oh, my goodness. And you thought you were going to be raptured out of here. Hmm. And, said Jesus, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he that searches the hearts, and I will give every one of you according to your works. Wow. That's tough talk for troubled times, isn't it? When was the last time you heard a sermon on that. That's pretty absolute. 
the loving Jesus said those words. And he's going to be the judge. Here come to judge. He's coming soon. And he's not coming back for a church with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Don't you think that sexual promiscuity, don't you think that adultery and fornication and pornography and all these things are such things that would keep you from being received by a holy bridegroom? That's what Jesus is saying. So here's our problem. Sex sells. In fact, as Americans, our economy is largely run by sex. It's a virtual orgy. America, this nation, purportedly under God, has sold her soul from pulpit to pew to the lust of the flesh. And it's reaping corruption. So, like ancient Rome, we're reveling in what seems to be unprecedented prosperity, except for the latest inflation and gas prices. But we've given ourselves wholesale to the unfettered market of our hyper-titillated feelings. We've convinced ourselves that homosexuality is our real problem. Whereas the blatant abuse of men with men is merely the natural progression of unrestrained sexual passion throughout the whole society, and that's where we are today. Would you believe that a recent poll discovered that 40% of professing Christian women intentionally seek out porn on the Internet, as do 60 to 70 percent of professing Christian men. And among our pastors, 37 percent admit to struggling with Internet porn. And fornication, sex outside of marriage has exploded, as you know, and it's not just among our teens. In fact, it's among primarily among those 20 and older. As U.S. News and World Report said, premarital sex is the sin Americans wink at. Over 50% of adults at that time believed the premarital sex was not wrong. Well, it's much more than that today. At that time, American teens agreed with their baby boomer and baby buster parents and grandparents. Among high schoolers at that time, 50% admitted to having sexual intercourse. By age 19, 70% had oral, inter, uh, oral sex. Following their fornicating 42nd president, who claimed oral sex was not sex. Christianity Today, in 2005 declared this trajectory of fornication to be so deep that they declared America's universities have become dorm brothels. And anal sex was considered to be absent sexual abstinence. 
How much further do we have to go on this? What do we need to know? What can or should we do about it? You can't be healed of something unless you admit you have the disease, right? You won't go to the doctor unless you think you've got a problem. But then if you go to the doctor and he tells you what the problem is and what the remedy is, then you might take seriously what you need to do to rid yourself of the problem. But Jezebel today has raised her banner over a victory over Jesus himself. The once soldiers of Jesus have defected in mass to Jezebel's camp. And they're even masquerading as double agents, pretending to follow Jesus, but crusading for Jezebel, even for the pulpits of America. Jezebel says, it's okay, you have to meet your needs. After all, you shouldn't deny your feelings because, well, feelings have become our Lord now, and Jesus has become our mascot. Jesus said, what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. But Jezebel responds, look, you deserve better. You don't have to put up with whatever it is. Jesus warned, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another commits adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she commits adultery. Oh, really? But Jezebel responds, come on, it's only fair to do what feels right. After all, God's a loving God, isn't he? He wants you happy, doesn't he? And so, I'm sorry to report that America, from pulpit to pew and from the church house to the White House, has been horrifically seduced. Her affair of the last 50, 60 years with the culture has alienated her from Christ. Her trust in the arms of Jezebel has alienated her from the God who made and preserved us a nation. And now the divorce rate in the church, at least for the past uh, 25 year 25 years up until the last uh, five or so years had been about 50 percent higher in the bible belt than in the country as a whole but now what's happened now we don't even need a divorce we just cohabit in other words fornication has become the norm for so-called family living in america I want you to think about that for a moment. You know, the Apostle Paul, the one so many Christians say, tells us the truth about our theology. Let's see what he has to say about this. He warned the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he said, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's practicing homosexuals, shall inherit the kingdom of God. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, he said. Is there something about those words we don't understand? 
how many mental and spiritual gymnastics can we engage in to try to evade or avoid the words of the Bible? How far will you go to rationalize behavior, attitudes, and actions? Because, as Jesus said, the problem isn't just our actions. Do you remember what he said there in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, You have heard it said of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, Whoever looks upon a woman... And that would be a woman to look upon a man as well. With lust in his heart, has already committed adultery. This is tough stuff, friends. But there's hope ahead. We'll talk. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. It should be obvious from our discussions up to this point that the saints have been seduced. Not only the saints have been seduced, that is professing Christians, but the whole country has been seduced. We have become under the lordship of the spirit of Jezebel. And Jesus warned, warned, warned the church in Thyatira concerning this deception. It could be determinative of your eternal destiny. It's not a game. It's not something to be rationalized. It's not something to submit to the lordship of your feelings about. It's something about bringing our feelings under submission to the word of God as a revelation of our genuine faith in God and the faith of God. In other words, we have to agree with God's viewpoint because he created sex. He knows what it's about. He created it to be a holy manifestation of his love through our lives on earth, through the legitimate avenue of genuine marriage. Because it is a type of, of the relationship of purity and holiness between Christ and his church. You can read about that in Ephesians chapter 5, as the Apostle Paul discusses. He says, I'm telling you about a great mystery, the mystery of the relationship between Christ and his church. He also says in that chapter that Christ is not coming back for a bride. 
with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Don't you think that fornication, adultery, which is not just having actual sexual relations, it's also the relations of the mind, of the heart. That's what Jesus said. Several years ago, the Holy Spirit prompted me to write a book called Seduction of the Saints. Over and over again in the scripture, we find the warnings against seduction and deception. The word seduction is a, uh, a parallel word for deception. If you're deceived, you've been seduced. If you're seduced, in one sense, you're deceived, but you're willingly deceived. Isn't it interesting? Do you find it interesting that God in his word that we deem to be holy will use these kinds of sexual metaphors to explain the spiritual relationship that we're supposed to have with him over and over again throughout the Old Testament? The prophets warned Israel of their fornication and their adultery. Over and over again. That their spiritual lives, in, in essence, they had abandoned God while claiming to be his chosen people. They had abandoned their relationship with God and had fornicated with the world around them. Very serious problem. So as I began to write this book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception, I began to realize that this matter of sex is, in many respects, a living, ongoing metaphor for the entire relationship that God has called for us with him. And when we play games with the sexual relationship and distort it and pervert it, what we are actually doing is distorting and perverting the whole kingdom of God. Everything that God speaks about and so, when I wrote the book, Seduction of the Saints, it was not just about sex. It's about how we understand that the use of the sexual imagery and metaphor from God is designed to get our attention in ways that otherwise it might not. From God's viewpoint, when we err from his word, when we decide to follow the ways of the culture and are carried away with the spirit of the world, we are committing adultery or fornication. That's God's viewpoint. We are under the dominion of Jezebel. So here's an interesting question. Will America's fornication cast her into a bed of great tribulation? The answer is yes. 
because Jesus said so. Right there in the book of Revelation, in his warning to the church of Thyatira, this is serious stuff. Do you think that God would put up with a country that claims to be under God, but that under every high tree and on every high hill were fornicating and adulterizing with the spirit of the world? No, he's not going to do that. He's a just God. He's a holy God. And without holiness, no man will see the Lord, the scripture says. So sex is powerful. It will either glorify God or engulf us in an orgy of destruction. Remember, raging passion brought annihilation to Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't it? Unfettered promiscuity destroyed Rome from within. And adultery and fornication is dividing and has already divided Israel's heart and brought the wrath of God upon the apple of his eye. So we, like Sodom and Rome and Israel, are poised on the precipice of judgment. So here's what God, through the prophet Jeremiah, said about this. Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this, as the Lord? So in reality, it's Jesus or Jezebel. And our decision, not just as a nation, but the nation is composed of individual people, you and me and our kids and grandkids. And if you think that yours truly here sits here sacrosanct and thinks that this doesn't affect our broader family and so on, you've got another thing coming. This spirit of Jezebel is engaged in a command performance of your family, whether you realize it or not. A command performance of all of our families and of the church. And I don't care what denomination it is. I don't care whether they're against homosexuality. Jezebel still has control. How do we know that? Because the divorce rate among pastors has equaled that of their parishioners for the past 40 years. What did Jesus say about divorce? Oh, whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery. And whoever marries the one so divorced, if their spouse is still living, commits adultery. Is there something about this that we don't understand? No. But there is something about it that we don't want to understand. We want to think otherwise. We want to superimpose our viewpoint over God's viewpoint, don't we? And so we continue. Defining deviancy down. And then justifying it. And then we can't figure out why things are deteriorating in our country. We can't figure out why our jails and prisons are filled with young black men who are the product 
of sexual promiscuity, fornication, out, born out of wedlock, over 70% of black children born that way. And we can't figure out why they're in prison? You've got to be kidding me. It's not a mystery. They have no fathers, they have no spiritual authority, and they are angry, and these are the echoing consequences of our adultery and fornication. And now, almost 50, just under 50% of America's uh, children are born out of wedlock. Does that shock you? In other words, fornication reigns supreme in America. The reason why abortion is such a big deal is because of our fornication and adultery. Most of the abortions are the result of unwed pregnancy or adultery. It's true. Promiscuity, sexual promiscuity is the deal. All right. Seduction of the saints, how to stay pure in a world of deception. You want to understand not only how to deal with this sexual issue, but how to deal with all the other deceptive and seductive issues that are coming upon us and threatening to take you to perdition. That's how the enemy works. And he's working triple time, and as Jesus' return is approaching, you can see what's happening. It's not a mystery. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, and you will not be disappointed. Believe me, it's going to open up your understanding concerning God's viewpoint concerning our lives and what's happening, how we're being seduced at every single level, not just sexually. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. $15 $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I guarantee you, there is enough in this book 
that you will be able to sit down with your family. Men, if you don't, if you don't understand how to deal with issues in your family, you don't understand how to uh, kind of coordinate your family and asking questions and dealing with the issues of our time from God's viewpoint. This book is your book. Oh, yeah. There's enough here for you to have discussions every single day with your family for a year to apply the Word of God. What a gift. And every chapter is followed by probing questions to to assist in the matter. What a book for small groups. Hmm. Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Right on the website, saveus.org. Now, when we finish up toward the end here, I'm going to share with you 10 different points about how to live pure in an R-rated culture. 10 points about how to live pure in an R-rated culture. But let's take a look uh, at, at history for a quick moment here. Because, as we know, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, right? So, according to Will Durant in his epic story of civilization, it's a ten-volume set, I have that in my library, Jezebel destroyed Rome from within. He said, a great civilization is not conquered from without until it has destroyed itself from within. Here's what he said. Moral decay contributed to the dissolution of Rome. The virile... Uh, character and supporting faith relaxed in the sunshine of wealth and the freedom of unbelief. Men had now the means to yield to temptation and only expediency to restrain them. Sex ran riot in freedom while political liberty decayed. Rome was conquered not by barbarian invasion from without, but by the barbarian multiplication of her citizens within. And that's America today, friends. But sexual license also destroyed Israel's liberty. Jeremiah confronted the spirit of Jezebel. He said, both prophet and priest are profane in my house, says the Lord. I've seen in the prophets a horrible thing. They commit adultery. None returns from his wickedness. They're all unto me like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I will discover your skirts that your shame may appear. I've seen your adulteries and your neighings, the lewdness of your whoredom. Notice how God uses this sexual metaphor over and over again to display not only their sexual perversion, but also their spiritual perversion. He says, how shall I pardon you for this? Your children have forsaken me. They have committed adultery as horses. Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife, says the Lord. Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? This people has a revolting and rebellious heart. Neither do they say, let us now fear the Lord. How has all of this happened, friends? Because we have abandoned the fear of the Lord in America and particularly in God's house. We really do believe that we're free to do whatever we want to do and that God will justify it because he loves me so much. He does love you, but he expects you to repent.
Several years ago, Christianity Today made a statement, sex beyond the bounds of true biblical marriage is embodied apostasy. Did you hear that? Embodied apostasy. In other words, friends, this sexual condition, our following the spirit of Jezebel, is actually revealing that we have already fallen away and apostatized and are not eligible for the promised land. Does that come as a shock? It should. Because that's the truth. There is mercy and grace in this message. Mercy is God's willingness to forgive if we repent. If we own up to our sin without excuse and repent, confess it and turn from it, then God extends mercy. We only need mercy if we're guilty. Are you guilty? The whole country's guilty. From pulpit to pew, in one way or another. Next. Portrait of Christian sex. Two-thirds of Christian singles admit they're not virgins. Evangelical college students do not consider anal intercourse to be sex and indulge in it accordingly. By 1996, divorce in the church was 4% higher than the national average. By 1997, divorce in the Bible Belt was 50% higher than the national average and still is. By the year 2000, divorce among pastors equaled their parishioners and was the second highest of all professions. By 2005, both the Church of England and the Assemblies of God overturned their historical doctrinal convictions to conform to Jezebel's cultural mandate, permitting pastors and parishioners to divorce and remarry even if their spouse is living, even though Jesus called it adultery, Paul called it adultery. Unbelievable. So, here's a question. How would you respond to a nation and a people who claim to be under God, or even who claim to be Christian, but who, from the church house to the White House, and then from pulpit to pew, defy his divine law and will? Well, here's what God said through Jeremiah about that. If they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Jezebel said God understands. Jesus calls it adultery. Jesus calls for holiness. Jezebel calls for happiness. Jesus calls for righteousness. Jezebel calls for rebellion wrapped in a robe of religion. As Jeremiah said, they were not at all shamed. Neither could they even blush. So here are ten points. How to live pure in an R-rated culture. First of all, recognize the truth of our cultural obsession with sex, even in our own families and our own lives. 
Next, realize that most professing Christians have succumbed in one way or another to Jezebel's seduction. Next, repent of your own sexual ways and accommodations to the culture, attitudes, behaviors, conversations, practices, habits, thoughts. Repentance means to come clean with confession and then to turn from unrighteousness. Next, remember. Remember that Jezebel is unrelenting in her manner and ways of seduction. Next, run. Run from temptation. Do not expose yourself to TV programs, movies, books, music, magazines, Internet sites that lure your mind and heart. Protect your children and your grandchildren from these as well and take courage to be a true parent with them instead of trying to be their buddy. But don't don't hold them to a standard that you're not willing to hold for yourself. Next, return. Return to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. So God says, return unto me, and I'll return unto you. Next, resort to God's word and allow it to do surgery on your flesh. Next, resist the devil while continuously submitting to God. Don't try to resist the devil if you're not submitting to God. He knows you're disingenuous then. Next, revel in the joy of the Lord, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And finally, rally others to sexual purity at home, in your church, at your work, and in your community. Hope is on the horizon if those ten points how to live pure in an R-rated culture become characteristic of your life. On our website, saveus.org, you will find some fact sheets that are helpful in this regard. One is called The Sexual Seduction of the Union. The Sexual Seduction of the Union. Another is called The Illegitimate State of the Union. Another is called the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. And yet another, a portrait of the black family. If you want to know how to pray for America, that may be the best way to start. Now, what we try to do here on Viewpoint is confront the deepest issues of our hearts and homes from God's perspective. We're not here to play games. We're not here to pander to anybody's tender sensibilities, but rather to encourage people to tenderize their hearts toward the Lord, to humble ourselves together so that God might exalt us in due season. In the meantime, casting all of our care upon him, for he cares for us. Now, I mentioned two words, grace 
and mercy. We already explained that this is a message of mercy. But here is the other word, grace. People like to substitute the word grace for mercy because we don't want to admit our guilt. Mercy requires an admission and acknowledgement of guilt before God. And his mercy is extended only to those who will repent and who obey him. That's what the Bible says. Secondly, with regard to grace, the primary implication of grace is not just God's unmerited favor. It is to enable you and me to do his will and obey his voice. That's what God's grace is about. So, when the Apostle Paul was dealing with the thorn in the flesh, God responded to him and said, My grace, or enabling power, is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Question. Do you feel weak in some area with regard to the sexual seduction of the union? Has the spirit of Jezebel gripped your mind or heart in some way? And you know, you didn't want to hear what we said here today. You know you're guilty. The hope is, as the scripture says, return unto me and I will return unto you. God cannot return to you until you return unto him. And today is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow. Don't put it off. Will America's fornication cast her into a bed of great tribulation, as Jesus said? How about American citizens? How about professing Christians? Just ask it. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints. $15, we'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. God bless, and let's humble ourselves before Him and prepare the way of the Lord. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.